0: Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Everybody good? Y'all can sit down. We're going to mess everybody up. We're going to confuse everybody today. Yeah, welcome to Journey. We don't do anything the same two weeks in a row. It's great. But man, I'm telling you, there's an excitement in the air today. We're going to be baptizing. I think we're baptizing. I think I heard a, a, almost 20 or over 20 people today in all of our service. That's pretty amazing, right? So, but before we do that, I just wanted and it's it's a lot like today. I was thinking a story. I was sitting there in that first song. I was um, reminding myself and uh, of the story, and it's about a young man that was uh, part of child dedication. He's in child dedication, child dedication, and. Um, They get done with church. Church was like, it was hopping. The band was amazing. The preacher was amazing. They get back in the car and the kid's crying in the back of the car. He's just bawling like a little baby. He's back there and dad goes, what's going on with you? Like, why are you crying so much? He goes, the pastor said that he wanted me raised in a Christian home, but I really want to go home with you. (laughs) And guess what we're talking about today? Family. Family. Probably the most important God honoring thing that we can be a part of on this side of eternity. And if you're part, if you've been part of journey over the last couple of weeks, we in this series called Transform, and we've looked at Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And I want to look at it today through the lenses of what a family looks like. What, what's God honoring in our in our in our marriages, in our workplace, with the way we raise our kids? How can we do family well? This is what Romans chapter 12 says: it says, Do not or don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Uh, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and it's pleasing and perfect. Let me ask you a question. Okay, I'm going to ask you a lot of questions tonight. Here, here's the first kind of series of questions. What would happen? Think about your your marriage. Think about your relationships with your with your or the people around your kids, your workplace. Um, if God transformed those, how would that be different? How would that change your marriage? Now, you, you're probably like, my marriage is pretty good. Okay, but if God just all of a sudden just kind of transformed that into what his design for marriage was, how much different would that be? Yeah, Of course, it would be better, right? How about in the raising of our kids? How about if we said, God, we're gonna take Romans chapter 12, we're gonna superimpose it over our, the way we raise our kids. What would that look like in your family? If you're a boss or maybe an employee, how would that look like in your place of work? How would it look like? How would it change? How would it be transformed if God really got a hold of it? Because here's the deal. I believe the family needs to be transformed. Newsweek came out with an article, and this is what they said. The American family, the American family does not exist. Rather, we are creating new American families of diverse style and shapes in unprecedented numbers. Now, years ago, 50 years ago, the, the normal household, and I want to say normal, the only thing that's normal in the world is the setting on a dryer, right? Because there's really no more, there's nothing, there's nothing normal. But it used to be the, the nuclear family was 2.5 kids. I don't know how they got 2.5 kids, but 2.5 kids. It was a house. It was a, a, you know a single car garage. You would have a pet or two. Now, that's not what the normal family is nowadays, right? As a matter of fact, it says in statistics show that um, it's 83% are not that in the world we live in. 83% and, you know, divorce rates are high. Now, I'm not going to give you all the statistics. I don't think I need to, to, to encourage or convince anybody in this room that, that, that family is different than it was 50 years ago. Am I correct in that? Yes, sir. But you know, one of the things that happens, I had a conversation with an older gentleman. He was older than me. I'm going to say he was older than me. <laughs> and this is what he said. He said, this generation is so jacked up. Families are so jacked up. Marriages are so jacked up. And I stopped them. And I said, hold on a second now. I believe it's been like this for centuries. Adam and Eve. No sooner get out of the garden. Brothers start fighting. One of them kills the other. That's pretty jacked up right there. Right? Think about that. Noah, right after the, you know, the 40 days and 40 nights, they get out, Right? And, and Shem, Ham, and Japheth, uh, Noah's sons, have to hide him because he's drunk and naked. Yes. That sounds like a lot of y'all. Yes. I've heard a story. I heard one yesterday from my, no, I did not. <laughs> right? Am I telling the truth? It's kind of, it's kind of like, you can go all through the, like, Jacob and Esau. They're fighting from birth. It was jacked up. Listen, like, we, we think King David, a man after God's own heart. Do you know that his son Absalom was trying to kill him? And he couldn't He couldn't have like a relationship with his spouse. Now, you want to really get bad? Read Mark chapter 3 because Jesus is healing the Savior of the world. And his family is trying to hide him because they think he's crazy. How about this? You want to talk about jacked up? You tell me outside of Luke chapter 2 where you hear anything about Joseph, the father of Jesus. Nowhere to be found. Luke chapter 2, that's it. There's no other place in the Bible. You see Mary all through the New Testament, you see her in the book of Acts, but you, where was he? See, it's just different. So it's not like this culture, it's just because of this culture, millenniums and Gen Xs and, you know, boomers. It's not because it's been going on for years, thousands of years. That's why I said the family needs to be transformed. Not only that, how about your friendships? How about the relationships you have? Um, There's this thing called social media paradox. And I think all of us would agree that we are more connected by technology than ever before. I can literally talk to people half. This morning, I was literally talking to somebody in the Dominican Republic about Are you still? Are we still on for this coming? I got an appointment with him this week. Like I can talk to people all the way around the world through social media. But this is what this 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 thing is: this social media power. It it says this. We feel like, and it's reported, we feel like though there's more technology, we feel like we're more connected, we are less connected than ever before. As a matter of fact, it's the loneliest this generation, these generations, have ever been. A survey by Cigna, you've heard of Cigna, they're the insurance company, say 54% of Americans feel all alone and isolated. You know, the biggest people group in that, think about this. This is the irony of this. The biggest people group is... Gen Z, and millennials, the ones that want to be or feel like because of social media, they're the most connected, but they're the most lonely out of all the people. Former Surgeon General Murphy said this, loneliness is is a growing health epidemic. We live in the most technologically connected age in the history of civilization, yet rates of loneliness have doubled since uh, 1980. And all the demographics, there's all kinds of studies. They say that loneliness is more dangerous than smoking 15 cigarettes a day and obesity combined loneliness let me let me give you something right down you can you can tweet this later you can talk about it with your family at dinner time this, the quality of your life is the quality of your relationships whether it's husband wife your kids whether it's the people that you work with the quality of your life is the quality of your relationships and it doesn't matter how much success you have if your relationships are toxic It doesn't doesn't make a difference how successful you are if you do it all by yourself. So that's what we're going to talk about today. See, I believe this. We are designed for family. We're designed to be in relationship. We're designed to be in relationships with one another. As a matter of fact, if you read Scripture, Psalms 133 says it like this, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony, when they do life together. That's why we talk about doing life together. Because it's an honor to God. John chapter 13, 35, your love for one another. I love this. Not how many Bible studies you went through. Not what version of the Bible you read. Not how many Maverick City worship songs you got on your playlist. It says this, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. How you respond in relationship will demonstrate to the world how much we love the Father and how much we love this. See, I believe this. Our spiritual, our emotional, our physical health is found in our vertical relationships and our horizontal relationships. Can I throw this out? If this isn't right, this will never be right. And if this isn't right, it's almost impossible to have this right. So it's important that we work on our vertical and our horizontal relationships. Hey, it's in scripture. Ecclesiastes says it like this. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine. Two are better often one. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. That's so true. Not just in marriage, but friendships. And one of the things Michael Key spoke at our, our men's thing yesterday, and one of the things he talked about is accountability. That's what he was talking about, that we're, we're better together. We can, we can fight more when we're back to back. Jonathan and Jonathan's armor bearer, they're going back to back against an army. And I love what he says. He goes, I am with you, the armor bearer, says, I am with you, heart and soul. I've got your back on this one. Man, everybody in this room needs somebody so it says two people are better than often one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Watch this. Likewise, two people lying close to each other can keep each other warm. Married couple said, "Amen to that." Amen and amen. Unless you have cold feet. <laughs> I'm not talking about anybody specific here. But how can one be warm alone? Watch this. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Then it says this. I love this because they're talking about twos, and now all of a sudden, I want to say it says threes are better than, or even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You know what that third element in that equation is? It's God. Me and you can fight a lot of stuff together, right? But I'm telling you, when we have God on our side, we are a majority at that point. And there's nothing that can stand against us when we're together. And that's why family is so important. That's why relationships are so important. So today, just the next couple of minutes, we're going to baptize all these people in a few minutes. We're going to have a great time. But man, today we need to learn because what we're doing today is actually, honestly, we're, we're celebrating this as a family. We're a spiritual family that we're going to celebrate what God's doing in people's lives. So today, if you're married, this applies to how you treat your spouse. Relationships. If you have kids, how many people have kids? This will relate to you, how you treat your kids, how you relate to your kids. If you have employees or coworkers or friends or ministry partners, this will help each of us do that. So here's the very first thing. Now, this is going to be very controversial, and I'm fine with it. And I'm going to explain it. So before you start sending the email, let me finish the whole point. Okay? Y'all with me on this? In our relationships, we need to offer acceptance, Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Read this with me. So now there is no what? Condemnation. Condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, 32, it says, Instead, be kind to each other, tend to forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has what? Forgiven you. Push pause. Remember the story of the woman caught in adultery? Right? If you don't remember, it's fine. I'll give you the kind of the Cliff Notes version. She's caught in adultery, and the religious people are around getting ready to stone her because that was the custom. They were once again trying to catch Jesus in a lie or catch him in one of those traps. So here's this woman on the ground cowering because she knows she, she's, she's, she's kind of guard her head because that's where they're going to throw the first stones. And then Jesus says, one by one, right? We know the story. So he said, whoever's without sin, you cast the first stone says, you go one by one. And so one by one, they walk away and leaving her. Now, did he say, it's okay that you're having an affair? No. Did he say, listen, just keep going on and having that relationship out of God's design plan. Just keep on doing that because it's, it, it doesn't really matter. No, because here's the deal. Acceptance doesn't mean affirmation. Right. Hear me on this. Acceptance doesn't mean I'm affirming. That's why a few weeks ago I said, listen, I can love you in your stuff. You can love me in my stuff. That doesn't mean I believe it's right. It just means I love you. I care about you. I don't hate you for what, what, what's going on in your life. Even if it's self-imposed. Even if you're dumb. How many people have ever, some of you are looking at hey, me, just call me dumb. How many people in this room, show of hands, have ever done something dumb and slipped into sin? Of course, we all have. I, I probably did it twice this morning already. <laughs> Listen to what, Jesus, this is Jesus saying, this in John chapter eight. He says, no, Lord, she said, and Jesus said, and in reference to who's condemning you, who's condemning you? Who, who's, who's throwing the stone? No, no, Lord, you're not, she said. Neither do I. Go and what? No I, can, I can accept people and I, and I don't have to affirm people. And that goes a long way in the culture we're living in right now. Right? Because there's lots of stuff out there I don't agree with. But that doesn't mean I'm going to have to, I don't need to poke the bear every five minutes. Let me give you, you know what I found in my life? Most people that are, most people, remember I said a couple weeks ago, some people fall into sin and love it or they, they leap into sin and they love it. Most people that I know that are falling or living in sin, they know they're wrong. I've shared the story when I'm out golfing and, you know, people are like dropping F-bombs and F-bombs and they, oh, what do you do for a living? I'm a preacher. And all of a sudden they're like the Sunday school teacher from heaven, right? (laughs) Like they're the best Sunday school teacher ever. Allow the conviction of the Holy Spirit to do his job and you, me, be a witness. What would happen if we were just that? If we just love, and you know what's happened in my life? I'm so thankful for a mother and a father that were God-fearing and loved Jesus because my 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23 years were tough. And I fell into sin a lot. And my mom and dad never said, okay, I'm kicking you out of the house because of that. They never one time said, like, we don't love you. As a matter of fact, it was because of their love. It was because of their love then I'm standing here right now because they love me back to life. They demonstrated what godly people should look like. And eventually the conviction was on me and I couldn't wait to change and be what God's called me to be because of acceptance, not affirmation. Amen. Okay. I'm going to read um, another passage in a minute, but the second thing is this, give attention, give attention, There's a story about a guy that goes to a hotel and the hotel is bug infested. I was at that hotel one time. Does that drive anybody else nuts? Like you're sitting there in the bed and you can hear him crawling on the sheets. This place is bug infested. Like I'm talking like you can on the floor. So he asks for another room and finally gets another room and it's probably equally as bad. So he ends up going to another hotel and A couple weeks later, he he, he's he's not like furious and fuming. He's not that you know. He's not he's not that person. But he writes a letter to the company. He said that uh, as a business owner, he was saying, "I feel that that business should know that like their service was not good." And so he writes this long letter, and then he gets one back a couple weeks later, and this is what the letter says. And I say, "We are humiliated that a man of your integrity, a man of your reputation, a man of your importance in the community should have had this." experience in one of our hells. We are, we are, we are deeply sorry. That's a, that's a proper response, by the way, right? Yes, so he's folding the letter back up, and he's trying to push the letter back into the envelope, and he realizes there's another little piece of paper that's written in the same, same uh, handwriting, and this is what it says. Send this guy the bug letter. You know what it was? A form letter. It was a form letter that they send to everybody. Now, before you say a word, we send form we send bug letters to people around us all the time. Oh, I'll pray for you. I I figured I'd just jump on that big one first, right? Right. I'll pray for you. And did you pray? Mm -hmm. Oh, I love you. I love you. I I do. Did your actions demonstrate that, or was that just things you were saying? That's a bug letter. Mm -hmm. How about with your spouse? Man, I'll do anything for you, baby. As long as it doesn't interrupt my golf game <laughs> or my hunting trip or, or whatever. Or football on Saturday. Who was going there? <laughs> Brother, I'm sorry. That was her, not me. <laughs> That's what we do sometimes. That's how we come on, please. Don't 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 put on the, the religious thing here at Journey. We don't do that around here. Right. That's how we do. We send the bug letter. And it's filled with cliches. And God goes, That's not what we want. He wants, He wants to. Attention is what, listen to what James 1, uh, 19 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to what? Quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. That first part, most of us, and think about the last argument you got into with your spouse this morning. (laughs) We haven't had enough time to get an argument yet today. Were you thinking about the next thing that you were gonna say? Or were you listening to that person? How about that argument between you and your your kids? Or your, if you're a child, uh, you live in your parents' house. Think about that last one. Did you even think to listen to what your parents were saying, or did you even think to listen for a second what that? There's a lot of heads turning right now. Going, oh, I told you. <laughs> preach it, preacher. Oh, not that part. Don't preach that part. I don't want that part. Not when you talk about the parents. Years ago, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the truth. Um. This is one of the problems I have. And so years ago, you can go, if I was to allow you to look at my journal, you can see in my journal, this is what it says. And it says this, if someone's with you, be with them. That's what I wrote in my journal. If somebody's with you, be with them. Because one of the things that my kids said and my wife said that I would be present, but not present. I would be there, but I would be doing something. And I I struggle, like I don't have this all figured out. Okay, but what happens is I'm, yeah, I'm paying attention to you. Go. Right? So, if you're going to be with somebody, be with them. Show them your undivided attention. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 says, "Since God chose you to be a holy people," I love that, "a holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourself," and I love this, "tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience." That's all the things that when we're giving somebody attention that we're supposed to be giving, not being negligent, not not paying attention, okay? Can I give you a third one? Yes, okay, we're, we're almost done and we're gonna baptize and we're gonna have a good time, but this is important stuff, transform the families. We need to learn to provide assistance, okay? Galatians chapter 5, 13, I, I don't know, if it's, it's just, it's serve, and another word for provide assistance is serve. Serve the people around you. Uh, you've heard me say this. I, we got this idea from Andy Stanley and um, what well, happy couples know. And we do this thing called racing to the back of the line. It's musical submission. So we try to see, I, I bring her a coffee. She, she makes, you know, all this stuff. And we keep trying to race back to the line. You know what I found out when you're doing that? You don't have any time to be selfish. When, when you're racing to the back of the line, you don't have time for that. Uh, Galatians 5, 13, serve one another. First Peter 4, 10, each one should use whatever gift he has received to what? Serve others is what it says. Serve others. And in in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, whoever wants to become great, you must be what? A servant. Can can I throw something out real quick? We we, we talk about, I want to be more like, we sing songs, I want to be more like Jesus. Really? You sure about that? You better watch what you sing. One of these days, he's going to take one of them prayers seriously. Y'all catch that? One of these days, we're going to sing one of them songs and he's going to go, oh, really? Because if we want to be like you, you're never more like Jesus than when you lay your life down and sacrifice and serve somebody around you. Think about what the greatest demonstration of service ever was. It was Jesus Christ going on the cross while we were far from him, while we were still living in our nastiness. God so loved the world, right? We were Last week, we are told, love the world that he gave his one. He laid his life down. That's what he did for us. You know, that's what we're supposed to do for our family, our wives, our our husbands, our kids, the people in our... And and, and really, it doesn't matter what your job is or your career is or your title is, you are here to serve others on this side of eternity. And sometimes leaders forget that. Sometimes dads forget that. That it's more than just bringing home income. That the greatest service we do is time spent with or kids. Have you ever walked into someone's office or ever called one of those customer service hotlines for whatever product that you have, and you feel like you're actually a nuisance to them? Hi, this is so-and-so from Apple. It's not Apple, it would be, this is so-and-so from that other phone company. Oh, your phone's broken again? And you act like they're just kind of, they're just there. And you get off the phone and you feel like nothing happened. I I call it now in the world we live in, we live in a world of customer no service. It's all about the product. It's all about sales. It's all about the numbers. But even as a leader. So I shared a story a while back. And this isn't preacher stuff. This is real stuff that happened. About a year and a half or so, two years ago, I was in the atrium and I was running between services. And what I usually do is I run between this service and I go back and I brush my teeth again because I'm going to be meeting people and I put a little deodorant. I want to smell good. I bite, psh, 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 so I can smell good around people. And sometimes I eat. Sometimes I just go back and just kind of chill for a few minutes. Well, I was rushing to get back there. And this uh, gentleman, his name is Brent, um, Brent grabbed me and said, hey, Pastor Bobby, can, can I talk to you for a second? And I was like, hey, Brent, I'm, I'm right in the middle of something right this second. And um, can, can, I, can you reach out to me tomorrow? And he said, yeah, all I was going to do is ask you to pray for me. I found out I have cancer this week. I walked off because I was so busy. I got almost to my door and I punched our code in and I'm like, what am I doing? I spun back around and I went and I grabbed him. And he had tears in his eyes and I prayed over him. I prayed, God, touch this guy. So yesterday, I haven't seen him in church in a little while. So I texted him yesterday. I just said, hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. I had heard that his cancer, he may have come back. So I'm just, I want you to know I'm praying for you. And I'm in the middle of studying for today, right? Like I've got to present to you know, 1,500, 1,700, 2,000 people today. I, I want to be I want to be good. I want to be sharp. I don't want to get up here and not know what I'm talking about. And um, I get a message right back. Hey, I'm in the hospital with my brother-in-law who's about to pass. Would you mind calling us and praying with our family? My first response. I was literally typing it. Can I call you later on this afternoon? I'm right in the middle of something. And I thought to myself, I can't preach this stuff if I can't live this stuff. And that means, so I called them up, nine people in the room. Their loved one is passing away. And I'm praying. And I'm like, I could have missed this opportunity. Attention. Attention. The people around us need attention. Our undivided attention and maybe you can't give it to them right there, ask them to push pause and give them a time period and say, listen, in 15 minutes. Maybe you're in the middle of a phone call. One of the things my wife is so good at is she'll understand I'm in the middle of a message talking back and forth about something going on in church. She goes, hey, when you get a chance, and I'll go, give me five minutes. And I, I, shut my, I shut my iPad most of the time. I shut my iPad, and I go, okay, what were we talking about? What, what needs to be discussed right now? Give them your undivided attention. Let me give you the last thing. Show appreciation I don't think there's enough of this going on in the world we live in. Husbands to wives, wives to husbands, dads to kids, moms to kids. I love it because eight of Paul's epistles, his writings, he starts out his writings with, I thank God for you. Here's one of them. Second Timothy, this is to his young protege, his friend, his brother in Christ. He says, Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Wow. When I'm praying, I'm thinking about you. As long as I, I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we're together again. Man, what would happen? Jack Cantfield um, did a study. In his workplace. Um, and he's he's one of those self-help, you know, kind of motivational speaker guys. And he did a survey, and he surveyed all the people in this one company. And he says, what's the number one thing that you need? He's, so every employee, every employee, a thousand employees, every employee, the number one thing they said they needed, take a guess, appreciation. Appreciation. They just wanted to know that they were appreciated, that they did a good job. Did you tell me like one of the things I, I try to do, I, I can't lie. I've got Caleb right here. I try to walk around the office several times a week. And I just go, hey, I thank you for what you're doing. You're doing a great job. I'll hug his neck. I'll, Man, I thank, thank, thanks for everything you do. I'll write him a note. I'll, thank you. Know, uh, Lee, my new assistant, she's been with me for, I think, a year, a little over a year, killing it. Killing it. Don't send her any bad stuff. You got to send it to me. I want her to keep killing it. But you know, hey, you're doing a great job. Alan Runner, uh, you hear me all the time. Like, I'm the wow guy around this place, but you know what? Somebody's about to put this stuff into place. We need a how guy, and he's that person. Appreciate the people around you. But this is what I said. Number one thing, number one thing was appreciation. Number two was the employees want to feel like they were part of something bigger, and they were read in on when we were, they were making big changes. So then they went all to the management staff, and they said, listen, all the management, what do you think the number one thing your employees need? And you know what they said? Money. 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 There's such a disconnect sometimes between leadership and people that are following our workers. As a matter of fact, the leaders of this organization had appreciation as number eight, and it was number one to them. Can I tell you something? If you're married, your spouse needs to feel appreciated. Your kids need to feel like they're appreciated. Hey, by the way, kids, your mom and dad need to feel like they're appreciated too. Every once in a while, it would be nice to say, hey, you, you're doing a pretty good job. Not all the negative stuff. Bosses, if you're a boss, your employees need to feel. Watch what happens. I bet you exponentially they'll produce more and more and more because they're appreciated. Hey, if you're an employee, tell your boss, hey, you're doing a really good job. You're killing it ministry people on our, in our, our level on our church man our ministry people they are absolutely killing it from the people that shake people's hands to the people that are watching your kids and taking care of your kids right now to Wednesday nights in student ministry to the discipleship team to our campus down at Sherwood all have been killing it killing it appreciate you guys you almost feel like I can take on the world now Kim. I can I could take on the world of course you can God tells us to do this. So here's the challenge. I want you to pick a couple people in your life. M- make it five today. Pick five people. Go home, write those five people down and do something. Send them a text. Like, man, you I, I, I can't tell you how much I love you right now. Like, you're so amazing. You know, maybe in the car, when you get in the car, you know, maybe in the midst of trying to figure out where you're going to go to lunch and your wife can't make a decision where you're going to go. Just tell her where you're going. Maybe that's what she wants. (laughs) Get five people. Tell them you appreciate them. If you're married, you should start with your spouse, by the way. Right? Not not with your kids. They'll be gone one day. Did you hear me? They'll be gone one day. And it's just going to be just the two of us. Right? You want me to sing some more? Now, all right, here's the deal. You know why this is important? Because it's important to the Father. All right, slow down. It's important to the Father. He said, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. There was a unity there. And if we're supposed to demonstrate the unity of the Father, we've got to do it on this side of eternity. It's really, really important. In a couple minutes, there's going to be a bunch of people in the tank. We're going to be leading worship and all that kind of stuff, but what they're saying to the world that they're living is they're part of our family now. They love this family. We should be building them up, but we should be building the people at arm's length up and telling them how much. We should be applauding them when they do something good. Amen? Can we pray together real quick? Heavenly Father, what a great day. Thank you for doing your work. Thank you for being with us. We want to honor you with every aspect of this Transform series. Today we're talking about families and families are really important to you. You put us in one. So thank you, God, for that. God, most of all, the family that we want to be a part of and need to be a part of is the family of God. And so maybe there's some people here right now that aren't part of that family. Maybe today is the day they accept you as their Lord and Savior, their dad, that they would understand how how you want to work in their life, that you came and died for their sins. The ultimate demonstration of family when you gave your will up to your father's will. And you said, dad, not my will, but your will be done. Even at the point of the cross where you yelled out, which means my dad, my dad, why have you forsaken me? You were still fulfilling the ultimate relationship. So thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.